0: All right. Good morning. good morning. It's good to be here. I do preach in a suit coat sometimes. I just want to make that clear. Uh, Brother Fulton has uh, shamed me until I think he is ashamed. I hope he is anyway. But uh, I, I did not, uh, I did not attempt to. Oh, and a tie. Oh, I have a tie on. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, anyway, I uh, could pick at him and, and tell him at least I'll remember to carry mine home with me. But uh, uh, bringing, a, bringing a sports coat all the way from Wappinucka, Oklahoma to meet with Brother Fulton in Colorado because Colorado because he 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 forgot it (laughs) but uh anyway i I hope this doesn't disturb anyone i just didn't uh that suit coats don't fold up and come out of suitcases looking real good so there you have it vest may not either but it's what we've got it's good to be here thank you for uh, kind words uh, always making me feel welcome And uh, thank you for the singing, it stirred my heart. Uh, Good Sunday School lesson, just uh, some years back, I I remember uh, the Lord really speaking to my heart out of that passage in Matthew chapter number 11. And I just uh, realized in in the moment that evening that I, I needed yet again to just look to my Savior bow my head and say, bring me the yoke, Lord. And uh, I pray that's our our heart this morning. It's good to be saved.
1: Amen.
0: That's an understatement, if there ever has been, but it is, it's good to know the Lord and to have the peace of God uh, in my heart this morning and just to be reminded of why I have peace with Him and uh, there's a savior and he came into the world and he came for me and i hope with all your heart that you believe and know that he came for you as well and uh if not that could be a reality before this day is over Uh, romans chapter number one this morning romans chapter number one and uh We'll read from verse number one down through verse number seventeen. I'll ask you to stand when you found your place. Romans chapter number one and verse number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I will not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto... That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Father, thank you for the old story this morning. We thank you for the record of your son that you have given unto us in your eternal word. And Lord, that you have imparted unto us by the witness of your spirit. Thank you for your love for sinners, your love for your creation, for your special love for your people that would cause you to send your son for us, to bleed for us, to die for us. And uh, Lord, my heart is just humbled and I rejoice in the gospel this morning. And uh, thank you for how over and over and over again you have uh, refreshed hope into my spirit, and uh, reminded me of your goodness and your love, your unwavering love for me. Thank you that there is a cross of your Son that I can look back upon in my hours of need and blood that was shed that I can plead for my own righteousness this morning. I pray, Lord, you'll make yourself real to us in the house of God today. Lord, we long to worship you, not just with our intellect, but with our hearts and with our spirits and in truth before you today. We long to glorify you with our feeble thoughts and words and beg you, Lord, that you'll just have your way in every heart and in the service today. It's your house. It's your church. It's your people. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I found myself again and again running back to familiar passages in the Word of God. Uh, We know there is nothing new under the sun. We understand that and familiarity uh, sometimes uh, is a friend to us. I'm thankful for verses that we go to again and again. I could listen over and over to the words of my Savior from Matthew 11, as we've already heard this morning. I've heard men argue at times over whether uh, the word come is uh, an imperative command or whether it is an invitation. It is both. And there are times when I need it to be one more than I need it to be the other. Mm -hmm. I find myself in Romans chapter number one a good bit as I'm Traveling about, preaching the word of God, sometimes I need to have my motivations and my message uh, honed back into a singular truth that we all need to hear again and again, and that is the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Paul's heart, no matter where he went, was to tell the story of the Son of God, of the love of God expressed to sinners through the sacrifice of his Son, the sending of his Son into the world and no different was Paul as it related to the Romans. He longed to come to Rome that he may share the gospel with them there also. I admit sometimes I feel like a broken record. Sometimes I probably am a broken record and say the same things. I'm not very old. I have the same illustrations and stories and share them again and again and sometimes repeat myself and I sometimes think maybe I've preached this here before. And then I look at it and say, I sure hope I have. This is a message we need to hear over and over again in our lives. The message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I don't want to stray too far from my notes. Time will get away from me. But Paul, in introducing himself in this letter, simply introduces himself as a servant. A servant not of himself or of a religious scheme or an organization, but a servant of God. A servant of the Lord Jesus. An apostle called uh, by God into the gospel of his son. Three different titles he gives himself two are in this first verse and the third is Uh, that I would point out is in verse number 14. I am a debtor. I'm a servant, an apostle, or a messenger. And I am a debtor unto God. Paul never seemed to lose sight of who he was. I am certain there were times he was lifted up in pride, certain there were times when he reflected on things that God had done and uh, perhaps had to shake his head at the thought that it had something to do with him at all. When he was in a right state of mind. And he had a right heart. He would address himself as a debtor. One who is forever indebted to the one who had saved him and called him unto himself. And it is as a debtor that Paul would go and desire to share with others. What Christ had done for them and what Christ uh, could do for them. If they would repent and believe upon him. He knew well of the saving power that is in the gospel message. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul never seemed to let any ecclesiastical titles shift his mind away from the truth that he simply was a servant and a debtor. He had a heart's desire wherever he went. Paul was much like the Lord Jesus. His heart was touched with people. He could look at his people, Israel, the Jews, and be so overwhelmed with the burden for the needs that they had to be saved that he would say, If it were even possible, I could wish myself accursed for my kinsmen, my brethren, according to the flesh, Israel. Those that had a, knowledge, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And his prayer to God for them was constantly that they might be saved. And along with that burden for his people was the burden of the Gentiles that was upon him. For God sent him from country to country and city to city, preaching the word of God to those who did not know the gospel, did not know the God of heaven, perhaps knew a creator, but knew him no better than that. And Paul had a burden for the Gentiles. God would use him to see numerous individuals saved by the grace of God. He would use him in the establishing of New Testament churches. And Paul would say of those churches that the burden of those churches was continually upon him. He cared about people. Cared about them. And in his care for Rome, he had many desires for them as he came to them. He tells them, first of all, that he wished them grace and peace. He thanked God for them. He lets them know that he prayed for them continually. This was his actions concerning them, but his desire for them as he came to Rome was that he could help them. He wanted to impart some gift unto them, to be a blessing to them in some way and And uh, he said this was to the end that they might be established, that they might be further strengthened in their faith of the Lord Jesus. He desired that their hearts would be comforted. Again, Paul is a man himself. He understands the infirmity of the flesh that individuals deal with and wanted to have words of comfort and minister to the hearts of needy Christians when they were struggling under some load of pain or fear. He wanted to have fruit among them. He wanted to see people saved. He wanted to come amongst the church and the believers at Rome and preach the gospel and see God move in power on their loved ones and on their neighbors. He desired all of these things and shares them by course in this introduction. And then it seems that Paul decides he cannot do it all and he cannot do it in every which way that he imagines and so he says to accomplish all this the only thing I know is to come unto you and preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. Brother Fulton, sometime back I think you heard me preach out of this passage and you reminded me that recently you had preached a message that Christians just need to hear the gospel also. It's what strengthens us. It's what helps us. When we find comfort in nothing of our surroundings and things that are upon us and around us, we can look to the gospel and say, oh yes, there is my peace. And there is where I shall find relief from the cares of this life. He preaches the gospel unapologetically and unashamed. Why should he be ashamed of the gospel when he knows what it has done for him? Why should he be ashamed to tell anyone of the Lord Jesus and what he's done when he has firsthand experienced the power and the grace of God? It is no wonder it is his desire to share the word of God constantly with others and the chief message from the word being the truth of God's Son. Yes. Whether to Jew or to Gentile, he would take the Scriptures and prove from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God that was promised to come into the world. He is unashamed of the Gospel. He is not concerned with the thoughts of men as to their rejection of His message. He is going to speak it anyway. He is going to share it anyway. He is entirely unashamed. Simply put, he, he finds no shame in the preaching of the cross of the Son of God. He is ready to preach the gospel because he knows of its power. Yes. And he knows of the great need to those that he speaks to. He preaches as a servant, as a debtor, as one who is glad to tell the story again. Paul's no stranger to shame. He knew what shame was. He had felt ashamed many times in his life. You read his writings and at times he even brings up things that he is ashamed that he has done. He had felt the scourge of legal shame as the law became real in his heart. And the commandment which he thought was ordained unto life, he found rather to be unto death than that which he trusted in. He found to condemn him and convict him. And he who thought he was a keeper of righteousness in the law of God was condemned by the very law of God when it said, Thou shalt not covet. And he realized that sin and lust was in his heart and he needed forgiveness. And he felt the shame of sin. He fought against that shame in a lot of different ways, persecuting the church, doing everything he could to silence the message in his heart. And yet for all of his efforts to quiet God, it was God who testified to Saul that he was having a very hard time kicking against the pricks. Hard time. He felt lasting shame after his salvation because of his treatment of Christians, of the church. Going as far as saying, I'm the least of all apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the Church of God. He's felt shame before. He even writes the words later in chapter number six and verse twenty-one, concerning sin and those things that God had brought uh, the believers from and himself from. And he said, "What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." He understood something of shame, but he was not ashamed of the gospel. I've been ashamed of myself many times. Have you? Mm -hmm. I've been ashamed of my behavior. I've been ashamed of my words. I've been ashamed of my thoughts. I'll get on an airplane and go home on Tuesday, Lord willing. (laughs) And I'll reflect on the weekend. And there will be things that I will wish I had done differently. There are perhaps things even today that you look at and think, I wish I'd done that different this morning. I think the Lord might be more blessed and free to move among us if I hadn't somehow done this or done that. We understand shame, don't we? Yes. Yes. But as the people of God, we have the same heart towards the gospel as Paul. Unashamed of it, I find nothing in it that is a grief to my spirit and my heart and my soul. Now again, when we think of the Apostle Paul, we consider uh, who he is, where he is in his life when he is writing these things, what he has gained from the gospel, what it has left him with, and his case is quite a bit different than mine, and quite a bit different than yours. He is writing these words from a prison. This is where his service and preaching of the gospel has gotten him. It has gotten him persecuted, imprisoned. It has brought much suffering in his life. And yet he is unashamed of them. And as he speaks to young Timothy, he tells Timothy, Be not thou therefore ashamed of me, the prisoner of the Lord, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. And again, he is writing that under persecution and under the hand of an authoritarian who had imprisoned him for the preaching of the gospel. This is quite a bit different than uh, the world we live in today here in our America. We're not under persecution. I know we think we are. We are not. There are forms of it that we sense, but nothing like the early church sensed and like the Apostle Paul that suffered. And yet it seems sometimes we are so hesitant to share the gospel message. Fearful to knock on a door. Timid of what the response might be if we ask someone, if you were to die today, are you prepared to meet God and stand before the Lord? Paul, throughout his prison time, his afflictions, his persecution has uh, felt the stinging of reproach and persecution. He has been rejected and mocked by a priest, by a politician, on the land, on the sea, at times with multitudes speaking against him, sometimes just individuals uh, treating him unfavorably. He has lost his social standing. No one looks upon Paul that does not believe upon the Lord and thinks of him to be a smart man or a good man. They think he's mad. He is counted as the off-scouring of the earth, the Bible says. He's lost social standing for the gospel's sake. He lost his religious standing for the gospel's sake. He was a Jew that profited above many as equals and Here he has lost his standing, he has lost his reputation, he has lost friends, and now he has lost freedom, and yet he would say, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. But he continues preaching the gospel, enduring all things for the elect's sake, that they may hear that message and receive also the gift of eternal life through the Son of God. He has been counted as a fool of all fools. But he is unashamed because of whose gospel it is. I would be very ashamed of you if you told me something was going to be a certain way. I got on the other side of it. I found it to be entirely different. And all that you had led me into was trouble and harm. I would think that probably you made a mistake and I made a bigger mistake. In following after your guidance. But Paul and the message that drove him and that he shared with others was a message that he was entirely unashamed of because it was not something hatched up in the schemes of men's minds. But it was the message that God from eternity past had established and had set forth and He sent His Son into the world to die for sinners. And Amen. Paul happened to be one of those sinners and God made Himself real to Paul and he knew that what God had spoken unto him and what preaching he had heard of Jesus Christ was real. Amen. And he's unashamed of the Gospel. Because it is, it is the Gospel of Christ. Unashamed because of whose gospel it is. The gospel of God, he said in verse number 1. It is the gospel of God's Son. In verse number 9, I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. And then our verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He's unashamed because of whose gospel it is. Has Mm -hmm. Paul been reproached? Indeed He has. But He is not above His Master who also was reproached of men. Has He been despised? Absolutely He has. But He finds Himself unashamed because of the blessed memory that His Savior was despised and rejected of men also. Is He acquainted with grief? You can believe it. He served God continually with tears both day and with night. He felt sorrow. He knew how to be abased. He had struggled at times with many different things, fears, fighting, and numerous other obstacles in his life. But all the while, he could look to his Savior and say, I am only walking in the footsteps of my Lord. You could say, well, Paul had heeded Matthew 11 and bowed his head and yoked up with the Lord Jesus and is walking step in step with Him. His sufferings are merely a mirror of what His Savior has suffered. And so He says to Himself, if I can be in Christ in any way, like Christ in any way at all, be it in sufferings, be it in love, preaching, whatever the case may be, I will very gladly bear that burden unashamedly Paul has been forsaken of men and he can remember of his Savior that he also was left alone, not only in the garden, but at other times forsaken of men. Paul has been beaten and he could remember the beating that his Savior had taken and he would unashamedly move forward after his beating to share the message with others. He has been bound as also was his Savior, mocked and finally crucified and Paul will eventually lose his life physically, For the sake of the Lord Jesus. Yet with all of this he would say I am unashamed because it is the gospel of Christ. And if he would do all of this for my soul as he has. There is nothing that he could ask of me that I would not willingly do for him. Unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because of whose gospel it is. Paul could go back to the Damascus Road. His own personal testimony. He could remember that day when Jesus, who he was fighting against with everything in him, came to him and called him by name, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He could remember when he said, who art thou, Lord, in amazement, probably hoping say anything but him. And Jesus answered directly, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It is the gospel of the one who had spoken to him, who had called him out of darkness and into his glorious light. It is the gospel of the one who had saved him from his sins. And so he delighted to share the story, unashamed, everywhere that he went. And from the time that he had been saved, he had been Paul's chief source of comfort. though at times the Lord would give him ministerial partners he would give him churches that loved him individuals that would pray for him he gave him friends like Luke along the way who would stay with him even unto his dying day and yet none of those men were able to do for Paul what Jesus had done for him day after day month after month of service it was Christ who gave him comfort and helped him in his struggles and his tribulations and so in memory of all that God does for him. He said, why would I be ashamed to tell the story of the Son of God? He had loved him. In Paul's heart, through the eye of faith, he knew that Christ had given Himself for him entirely. And so Paul in turn would give his life back to the Savior to share the story of Him everywhere that he went. How could he be ashamed who had fought against God and yet as a brand plucked from the burning had been delivered from the fires of hell that awaited him if he died in his sins? He understood eternal life at least somewhat. He wrote of it and he knew that he had that gift. And so facing death in life was nothing to Paul. He would share the gospel unashamedly and count not his life dear to himself. I think at times Paul was still ashamed, just not of the gospel. I think he was ashamed at times of his brethren. I think Paul was ashamed at times of people. When Peter came to Antioch, and Paul looked at him and the hypocrisy of his brother, to the point that he was stood him to the face and said, Peter, how can you, being a Jew, how can you treat the Gentile brethren the way that you are treating them and separate from them? Sometimes his shame of his brethren may not have been correct. He was very ashamed at Barnabas for reaching out a, a merciful hand to John Mark, but he did no shame even after he was saved. Demas hath forsaken me. Having loved this present world and it broke the heart of Paul, he understood that there would be reproach that others would cast at the name of Jesus because of the failure of one of his servants. He spoke about the behavior of the believers and how at times it would cause lost sinners to blaspheme and it shamed him when he saw failures in his brethren. He was ashamed of the false gospel that others propagated, no doubt. When he would come to those that he had preached to and see that some had corrupted or perverted the true message of the Son of God and His sufferings and His love and His death and His burial and His resurrection, His mercy, His forgiveness, His grace, and had somehow convoluted it with works and other things. Yes, Paul was ashamed of those things when he saw them. At times, I believe he was ashamed even of the churches that he had helped to establish. Writing to the church at Galatia and saying, who hath bewitched you? You are following after wrong ways and telling them you guys are biting and devouring one another and you need to repent and you need to get right and you need to look to the grace of God alone. He was ashamed of them. Do you think there was not shame when word got back to him? Uh, uh, Was it uh, Chloe from the house of Chloe that told him of all the problems that were going on in Corinth? Mm. He knew shame. Paul knew how to look in the mirror as well. Mm. And sometimes he was ashamed at the man that he saw. And no doubt, many times, the beating of his heart said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And at times, marking himself as uh, one, a a person of failure, a person who still seemed to struggle with the same problems again and again. He had felt shame, but never shame at the gospel. And never of Christ. Some would say, well, he must have got a whole lot from the gospel ministry. Must have gotten wealthy from it. (laughs) No. He was not like so many modern professors, modern ministers who seem to care more for Peter's filthy lucre that he warned against than are loving the people of God and feeding the flock of God. Had he gained health absolutely not. He had his ribs beaten in by the rod. He had been stoned. No doubt dealt with great sickness from being in the sea. Uh not in a day. <laughs> All of his travels, the taxation on the body, all of these things. And yet there was one singular thing that drove him. It was not what he was getting through God, through service of God, but it was what he could give unto others. He said, I'm glad to be poor that I might make many a man rich through the message of the gospel. So much in the face of our health, wealth, and prosperity of the day. Oh, that's But it's not all bad. What had he gained through the gospel? Nothing that would burn up, I assure you that. Amen. He'd gained from the gospel that which nothing else in this world can give: a good conscience towards God. He had striven in his religion, he had striven to do things right. He counted himself as one who, as touching the law, was blameless, at least at one time. He thought, ah, my life is all together. But he realized he was lost one day and God dealt with his heart in his grace and in his mercy and in conviction. And and he realized that though he had done all things, he, he did not have a good conscience before God. He's gained a righteousness in God. Amen. Well, none of his works could give him. He could say without a tinge of pride in his heart that God had imputed righteousness unto him. Brother and sister, it almost seems blasphemous to say That if you are in Christ, this is true. It is there's no blasphemy to it. It is true. If you are in Christ, when God looks upon you, He sees you as righteous as He sees His sinless Son. What can give you that but the gospel? What works of your hands have you ever done that has taken away the guilt of the misdeeds in your life? Only the gospel. Unashamed of such a message that lets me pillow my head at night and know that though my sins throughout life have been many, they are all washed away and blotted away. I am unashamed of that message and glad to tell you today that though you are a sinner, you can believe upon God and have the righteousness of God imputed unto you. You can stand before God in the day of judgment be welcomed into His holy city and into His heaven where there is no sin. Why would I not want to tell everyone that? Why would I ever be ashamed of that? A righteousness in God. And through it, He does have a reward from God. It's just not the rewards that men value, those things here below. Paul knows at the end of his journey that he has preached Christ, that he has known Christ, and he knows there is laid up for him a crown of righteousness. He understands all that. There is a reward at the end of the journey, it is not all loss. (laughs) Yeah, he's gained a lot. He's gained something that nothing else can give. He's gained peace for the time of his departing. We'll deal with this this afternoon, the Lord willing. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And there is nothing to give a man peace in that hour when he knows he will face his Creator with the life that he has lived. Nothing affords peace save the death, burial, resurrection, an eternal priesthood of the Son of God. Amen. Why would he be ashamed of that? Has he gained? I think he has. How has money been for you in life? It comes and goes. That's right. It's a tool. It's nothing to clutch. It's nothing to love. It's a tool. We look at the things that men consider to be gain, and none of those... Stand in comparison to the eternal blessings that God gives through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not only a peace for His departure from this life, but a hope for the life that is to come. Heaven. Eternity. A land of no mores. No more suffering. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more death. I can't paint a good picture of heaven so I don't try to a whole lot. Paul has gained eternal life in a land that knows no curse and knows no sin. (laughs) I better move on. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. These are the words of the apostle. Are those the words of your heart today? Worried that your neighbor might see you get out every Sunday morning and go to the same place and think you're one of those? (laughs) I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is not just what it has done for him, but he is unashamed to preach the gospel because he knows what it would do for you if you heard it. And glad to share that story again and again. It is the power of God unto salvation. That is to the Jew, the law abider. It is to you what the law cannot do for you. It can save you. It is to the religionist. It is what works can accomplish. The gospel is uh, to the scholar what his learning has not accomplished. It is the power of God and the salvation. Knowledge may be power in a lot of ways. But it has no eternal power to save. Knowledge will pass away. The gospel is what religion can't supply. Paul has, let, let, me, let me wind this down. Paul has been where every one of us have been in one way or another. Paul has lived days of his life with great uneasiness and vexation of spirit. He has had the pricks of spiritual conviction in his heart. And he found that making himself more busy in religion and works and deeds could not take away that Sense of guilt and condemnation but when he bowed to Jesus Christ and said Lord, Lord what wilt thou have me to do? There was a weight that was lifted off of his spirit and off of his soul and he understood well whom the Son hath made free is free indeed and he was so free from the weight and the struggle and the bondage that he wanted to tell everybody and that's exactly what he did. He knew what the gospel could do. Why should He not share it everywhere He went? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed in the Gospel. The power of God to everyone that will believe. Power to save. Power to do what nothing else can do for you. God has a demand for righteousness. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Simply put. You have to have righteousness. There is a problem. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is a problem. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That, my friend, is the best that we can do. And yet it is still the demand of God that we be righteous to enter into His presence cannot come into His company lest we have clean hands and a pure heart. But the problem with that is we have dark hearts and filthy hands. Mm-hmm. But it is in the Gospel message that the righteousness of God to man is revealed. That we are taught that though we are sinners, there is a righteous Savior who suffered on our behalf. And uh, that His righteousness can be given unto us and our sins can be laid upon Him on the cross. That is a great divine exchange that He will make in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. The law of God is only the demands for righteousness. It is in the gospel. The availability of righteousness is shown. In the same gospel that tells us that we can be righteous through Christ it also tells us we are so unrighteous that the only way God could ever be pleased with us would be to punish His Son. Yes. The Gospel teaches us of this great provision. You can be made right with God by believing upon His Son. Amen. Praise the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can work your finger to the bone. That you must believe the message of the Lord Jesus. And when you do, you shall find that there is a such thing as life and light and salvation. Mm. And it is in the Gospel. Why would we not tell people about that? Yes, that's right. It is a Gospel we rejoice in and a Gospel that we stand in. That was Paul's testimony. What is yours? Mm Do you rest today in the Gospel? Rest in it? Or do you wrestle against it? And fight against submitting to Christ as Lord and as Savior and receiving His blessing of life. Believe the Gospel. So simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Quit fighting against God. (laughs) Father, I pray that you'll take your words, use them for your name's sake, for your glory, draw upon hearts, refresh the hope of your children through them, and draw upon those that are yet on the outside. I pray you'll bring them to yourself through the word of God. Help us all to have a glimpse of the Lord Jesus today and to look unto him for all the needs of our spirits and our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please
1: stand. Turn in your hymnal to number 362, 362. I would be I am very curious to know the sort of hymns that this one who loved the gospel who was not ashamed of the gospel, what sort of hymns would he sing? He speaks of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs psalms and hymns and spiritual songs we have no idea beyond the Psalms what Paul would sing in Philippi or Corinth this hymn there's power in the blood I think this one who is not ashamed of the gospel might have sung it a little differently. Just my opinion. Would you be free from the power of sin? Let's not talk about us, but are you interested? Paul says, do it. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Maybe I was thinking of a different hymn. This, I don't think Paul would be ashamed to sing this hymn because he was not ashamed of the gospel. Is it for you? Forget about others. What does it say for you? 362. You need Christ. Come to him today. Whoa. To be free from the burden of sin, there's power in the blood. Logically, this makes no sense at all. Power to do what? In the blood? What is is that? The blood of the Lamb? Oh, we're talking about the blood of Christ who died 2,000 years ago. Don't be ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's the truth. It's the gospel. There's no reason to be ashamed. Sing it. It belongs to you sing it sing it to your neighbor who needs it do you need to be born again powers in the blood verse number two would you be free from your passion and pride there's